she said, Dear, come from a land down under Where women glow and men thunder Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder? Yeah You better run, you better take cover Yeah You better run, you better take cover Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Sidearm Nation podcast, a unique baseball podcast. Today, we have former New York Mets right-handed pitcher, Jeff Innes. Thanks for coming on, Jeff. Thanks for coming on, Jeff. I mean, I guess first things first, could you kind of tell us a little bit about kind of your story and how you dropped your arm and how that came about? Yeah. Okay. So I was in, uh, Jeff, thanks for having me on, by the way. Um, I was, uh, you know, when I, at the very end of my high school season, I started messing around with it because I was idolizing Dan Quisenberry. And so when I got to the University of Illinois, where I, where I went on a, on a scholarship as a freshman in college, I, I threw regular. I didn't even, you know, do it. And uh, I went through that whole freshman fall season at Illinois. And at the end of the season, I sat down and I ranked myself uh, on a staff of 12 and I ranked myself 10th and I, and I knew I needed to do something. So I went to my coach and I said, Hey, I can do this. Do you mind if I do it? And he said, no, let's do it. And I ended up being the closer that year. And I went to Cape Cod the next summer and that, that was kind of, I was off to the races after that. So, and then, you know, as I got older and got into my pro career, I made adjustments from there, but that's how it started. No, and that's definitely something I think a lot of people struggle with, like, in, in, you know, kind of that self-assessment too, right? And you kind of have to see where you're at in the bullpen. And obviously, um, sometimes a coach will help you out with that. But I mean, it sounds like you kind of you kind of knew yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I, was, I was well into pro ball before somebody actually started helping me. I was in, I think, uh, my third or fourth year. Uh, before I finally started getting some, you know, coaching tips from, from a coach. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was all me for the first few years. And then I guess, Jeff, uh, what pitches did you throw? So, you know, at first, when I was, uh, when I first started, I just threw a four seam, you know, cross seam sidearm or I was more, uh, honestly, at that time, when I first started, I was more like submarine than okay. sidearm yeah and then um i just threw like a like a cross seam fastball and i always had a really good uh, i called it a sidearm curveball because i had a curveball spin it was just you know uh it was just a different you know it wasn't a slider it was it was a curveball so uh that's all i threw uh was those two pitches and then as i got into as i got into double a Glenn Abbott was my, well, first of all, uh, Jim Bibby, remember that giant pitcher from the pirates and six foot eight, he actually taught me or told me I should come up and throw sidearm more, uh, because I was struggling with my control in terms of, uh, going up and down as you know, like I just struggled with, with, uh, you know, the, not only the in and out of strike zone, but the up and down because I just couldn't get my release point. And Jim Bibby suggested that I throw sidearm. And so I did that. And that really helped me. 
and and then the next year I was with Glenn Abbott in Double A, and he taught me to throw a sinker, which was basically just finger pressure and a grip. And and that really, after I did that, that really was a huge thing in my career because the ball, my ball was sinking like a son of a gun after that. <laughs> And I guess velocity-wise, Jeff, kind of where would you sit at? Or You know, probably anywhere like 83 to 86 with my uh, with my fastball. And then that's like laughable today, you know. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the batting practice pitchers throw harder than that. But, uh, and then the, uh, and then my slider was pretty hard. My slide, you know, my curveball slider was like 77, 78. So I threw that really hard. And then, you know, I would throw overhand every once in a while as well. And I had an overhand fastball and an overhand curveball. I didn't throw up much, but I could throw them. Was that more against a left-handed batter? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And that was kind of, kind of my next question. Like, you know, was there, how did you kind of pitch differently to kind of lefties and righties? Well, you know, like probably like, you know, most side armors, they're the like, you know, my, I was for you, you were a lefty, right? Yes. Yeah. So you like own lefties and probably had a, a more difficult time against righties. Yeah. And I was the same from the other way. I mean, righties were never a problem for me. I don't care who it was, <laughs> but you know, the lefties, especially any tall left-handed hitter that had good plate coverage, uh, I struggled. Well, I didn't necessarily struggle, but they were much more challenging. And so, you know, I really tried to be pinpoint with my sinker and I'd backdoor a lot of sliders on them. And then I would come up overhand and throw fastballs in like a forcing fastball in on them, which had a little more velocity to it. And then uh, I had a pretty good overhand curveball that would break down. So, but yeah, it was definitely more of an adventure against lefties. Yeah, and for me, I guess my slider, like it would almost, that's what you got to be careful, it would kind of go into that right-handed batter's, you know, his bat path, right? And I could, you know, if, yeah. I threw, if I threw my best slider, I was still confident, but it just, you know, it almost had to be like that perfect slider where against the lefty, I could definitely get away with a lot more. Right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, like they were never bringing me into face three lefties, that's for sure. <laughs> But, you know, the bad thing is, you know how it is when they bring you in to face righties, there's no chance that they're going to pinch hit for them. So they're always their best right-handed hitters. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, Jeff, is there any mechanical tips that you'd have? Uh, tips? You know, I, I don't know. I think, you know, I've seen so many different. I was more of a stand-up sidearm pitcher, you know. So I didn't really drive that front shoulder and fall off a lot to the to third base like a lot of guys do. But like with me, it was just, you know, I, I just think it's so important for a sidearm pitcher to have a nasty breaking ball that you can strike anybody out with. I think if you don't have that, you're going to, it's going to be much more difficult. And then like, I think there's a, there's also kind of a, a, a misconception that just because you throw sidearm, that means you're automatically going to have unbelievable movement on your fastball. And that was not the case for me anyway. Like it really did take finger pressure and finishing the pitch, you know, like right, right at the end that feel that coming off my finger. Then I think that that's probably, uh, and just, you know, live low in the strike zone. I mean, you just can't make a mistake up, you know? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, you know, it's one of those things too, like, you know, and, and you kind of touched on it, like where I struggled with was, was velocity. And, um, yeah. I've always found like the harder I threw from there, I lost my sink. So mm-hmm. I, I was kind of better off kind of same velo as you 83, 86. But when I would get up to 88, but that's when the ball would kind of go off the wall. Um, right. is, yeah. do you have any, do you have any kind of, you know, thoughts on that? Like just kind of, it's something I get asked a lot, like kind of velo or gaining velo, but you know, just from, from a, you know, like a low slot pitching standpoint, any thoughts on that, Jeff? On a what uh, the, where the slot is yeah or, or just kind of velocity i guess you know like i know it's it's part of the game but it's you know for for a low slot pitcher it's definitely not everything yeah no it's not I, you know i think <clears throat> i guess you know i mean if you can throw as hard as you can and put the ball exactly where you want it by all means do it but i think a lot of the time if you're coming out of your shoes from that difficult arm angle it's just going to be difficult to have that kind of control. And I think the really good sidearm and submarine pitchers just have really, really good control and they don't miss much, you know? And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I would definitely, you know, you know, like say, you know, keep your arm, you know, in shape in terms of if you're, if you've gone two or three days without pitching and you feel strong, then you're probably not going to, have your uh your movement as much like you just mentioned uh like if you threw harder your movement kind of left you and that was the same with me and so i would make sure i did plenty of throwing uh of course you know i i ended up pitching in a lot of games anyway so i didn't have to worry about that but uh i think if you're too strong it definitely affects your movement and if you're in that position where you're feeling really strong i i would experiment with some finger pressure and try to take a little bit off the pitch and, and concentrate on that movement and location. Yeah, no, that's good advice there. And then Jeff, is there anything like, you know, kind of from a mental standpoint, you know, for anyone maybe kind of debating on changing their arm slot or maybe someone that's just dropped down, anything kind of, you know, mentally advice you'd have? Uh, you know, I would love to see, first of all, this isn't answering your question yet, but no, like there's so many pitchers that throw super hard that are very athletic that I think could easily drop down and they, for whatever reason, they don't do it. Hmm. So I would encourage anybody that, that has good stuff, but just can't seem to put a really good season together to try to drop down and get with somebody like you and me who knows kind of what they're talking about and coach them kind of through the beginning part of it. But like, I, I just think, uh, you know, like I said, I, I would really uh, I think it's just so important to put the right spin on your breaking ball. So that thing is breaking like a yacker. I mean, it's got to really break hard and sharp and huge. And then, you know, experiment with finger pressure, experiment with your arm angle and make sure that you're getting as much movement on your on your fastball, sinking fastball as you can with the goal of it sinking and sinking and sinking and it being low, you know, I remember when, um, I remember when we'd have pitching, when we'd have meetings in New York about going over the hitters and invariably, you know, for a lot of the hitters you're going over they're they're saying, okay, when you get ahead of them, you can throw it above his hands, that fastball above his hands for strike three. And I'm thinking, man, I'm not throwing my fastball above anybody's hands. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, not me. I'm not taking that chance, <laughs> you know. But uh, anyway, I thought that was funny. I mean, you actually have to throw hard to throw it above their hands. But uh, anyway, I guess I would just try to experiment, you know, and try to get the most out of your fastball and, and just improve your slider. I see a lot of sidearm pitchers that really have a less than average slider, and it really needs to break a lot. Like it needs to almost start if you're throwing to a right-handed hitter, it almost has to start like, like, like on it, on his butt and break outside on the outside corner. It's gotta be big and it's gotta be hard. You got to throw it hard. You got to spin it hard. Yeah. It's definitely not a pitch. You want to kind of baby it in there. Like I definitely, I basically just, you know, I tried to have that loose whippy arm and just right. kind of rip that seam right through my middle finger. And I, I threw it yeah. aggressively. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, me too. And then Jeff, I was just, you know, could you talk to us a little bit about your MLB debut? So my major league debut was May 16th, 1987, a year after they won the World Series. And 2,000 people game uh, in, the ninth, in the ninth inning. Uh, you know, I was fortunately, I got to warm up a couple times. And so that settled me down before I came into the game. I can't imagine had I got 10 warm-up pitches and had gone into the game, because I still wasn't even feeling the baseball in my fingers at that point. But I, I went into the game, and, I, you know, I, I honestly, the first inning was great. Uh, I think I had a ground, uh, uh, two ground outs and a strikeout. I went in, we sat in the, in the dugout for like 30 seconds, and it seemed like I was out on the mound again. And that was when I got a strikeout and then Jeffrey Leonard, uh, I threw him a sinking fastball that I, to this day, I'll always say it was a really good pitch and he inside outed it out to right field to hit the top of the fence and it bounced over and we, you know, we didn't score in the bottom of the 10th inning and that was the game. So we lost, but like, I felt like I had pitched really well other than that home run. And uh, I just it just kind of affirmed, kind of reaffirmed my belief that I could pitch in the big leagues. So that was my first game. And it was, you know, it's very memorable, like like I'm sure everybody's first memory is. But it was awesome. No, I, I can definitely imagine. I mean, <laughs> definitely. Like, Jeff, could you talk to us a little bit just kind of about like even like the grind in the minors just to for yourself just to make it to the bigs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I, when I signed out of Illinois my junior year, you know, I went to Little Falls, New York, and honestly, it was the easiest season I ever had. I was 8-0 with eight saves and a 1.3 ER. It was easy. And then, you know, I went I got, I went all the way to double-A the next year, and, you know, I was doing really well. And, and you know, I, all of a sudden, for some reason, I didn't pitch for 10 days, and it, I did not handle that well. And so that – the the double A that second season was a was a growing year for me mentally because I needed to manage my little temper tantrums I was having. Uh, but you know, uh, overall, it was the, I, I enjoyed my minor league experience. I went down to A ball the next year, then I was back in double A, and then back in on to triple A, and I just made your normal climb, I think, and. Uh, I think it was important for me that I never got hurt. I was never on the disabled list. Um, and when I got to AAA, you know, you know, finally realized that I was, you know, it, it seems like when I pitched back in the, you know, 
mid eighties and getting into the late eighties, you know, they were, didn't really bring up a lot of guys from double a, it was usually always triple a. And so, um, when I got to triple a in, in 1987, uh, I, I really started to manage myself better in terms of, you know, setting goals for the homestand, setting goals for the road trip, uh, really going over the what could happen in each game before the game. What situations may I might I come in? Uh, what happens if I give up a couple cheap hits? What happens if you know, uh, you know, you know things like that? I would visualize circumstances more. I was very much into the mental part of the game and being prepared for anything that could possibly be happen. Because at that point, you just see all these guys that have this great stuff. And then all of a sudden everything explodes on them and they they're standing there scratching their head. Like what the hell just happened? You know? And, and I didn't want that to happen to me. So I would really try to live all these experiences before each game. So when something happened, I was ready for it. But more importantly, like if I were to, to go over like, okay, what happens if I give up two doubles? How am I going to react to that? Or what happens if we make three errors and then they have a swinging bunt? How am I going to react to that? And what it ended up doing for me is it really, I lived through it in the beginning. And so I was so desperate not to repeat that when I got into the game, <laughs> you know, it was almost like negative visualization. It didn't affect my attitude or my expectation that I was going to do well. But it, it kind of prepared me for anything happening. And so ultimately, I never had any really uh, any of those days where I just got caught flat footed on the mound. You know, I was always ready to go. But, you know, the travel was was the travel, you know, the long bus trips and all that. Everybody goes through it. And, you know, you just kind of got to have to go out and perform and 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 get the job done. So, you know. My minor league experience was a great learning experience for me, but you have to be open to evolving and being introspective and all that stuff, I think. Yeah. And you kind of touched on a little bit. I mean, I was going to kind of ask you just kind of if you had any, uh, like kind of a, from a bullpen mindset, any advice? Yeah. I mean, that it was just that really what I kind of, what I touched on before, it's like, don't ever think that you're not going to pitch. And, yeah. you know, and also let's say you've had two or three, three good games in a row and you're on a roll, you know what? You're only as good as your next outing. Yeah. And if you go out there just riding your own coattails from three good performances, <laughs> you're out there for that fourth, you're going to get a rude awakening. I mean, you cannot have, you know, you know how it is. It's like you could have a great year you feel, but your ERA is like 4.9 and it's because of three really, really bad appearances out of 50. Right. Yeah. The other 47 were awesome, or the other 46 were awesome. But but three bad ones, you gave up 15 runs, right? And you can't have that happen. Yeah. And to prevent that from happening, you can't have a mental off that you've always got to be ready. And let back, you've got to be, you've got to want to get right back out there and, and reverse it and get on another roll. But I just think you have to treat each game as an individual opportunity to do well. And you and you got to you can't you can't just throw your glove out on the mound ever and expect just because you pitched well for two or three or four or five or even six times in a row that that next one's going to be, uh, you know, a great one, too. You got to bring your A game every every single night and 
You've got to understand the laws of baseball. When the other team scores at, at, at the top or bottom half of their inning, or you, I mean, our team scores, like your, your, your team scores, yep. there's a strong likelihood that the other team scores too. And so you've yep. got to fight that every time. You know, so if you're coming into the bullpen and you're from the bullpen and your team just scored two runs, you've got to be aware of the fact that it's going to be extra difficult for you to hold the other team down. You know, those are things that I was, you know, kind of always thinking about, I think, as far as being ready in the bullpen. Yeah, like those shutdown innings. I mean, it makes a big difference. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. No, and that's a good point too, Jeff. Like, I, I mean, baseball's got a, you know, I don't know, like, you know, we joke about like baseball gods, but it, there's definitely a way like it, the baseball will humble you if you think you're better than the game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just the, the way it is. I mean, if you, if you manage yourself throughout the course of a season and, and just really prepare yourself mentally for each game. And I mean, I mean, just, I'm not talking about actually, you know, like necessarily going over the hitters. I mean, you got to do that, but I'm just talking about being ready to pitch. What situation might I come in tonight? Uh, I might come in. Heck, you never know. I might come in in the third inning when I'm used to coming in the seventh. Am I ready for that? You know, things like that. I mean, I just think the more you mentally prepare yourself every night, you're going to look back at the at your year at the end of the year, and you're going to have a good year if you if you treat your your season like that every single night. No, absolutely. And, and, and that's something too, like, I, I think I definitely, someone told me that like, as a relief pitcher, you could almost maybe try and drop two of your bad outings, but then you'd have to, you know, I mean, if you can eliminate, you know, but definitely yeah. it's tricky from a relief standpoint, like even just your ERA, I guess, too. That's something I definitely struggle with. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 there's a lot to manage. And, you know, I think, the guys that, that, you know, when the season's over and they've got stellar statistics, you know, they've been very consistent every single day. I mean, of course, they had a couple bad days here and there, but not much more than that coming out of the bullpen. You know, they're really consistent. And then, Jeff, is there anything kind of like regarding like kind of the game today that you've kind of noticed that's definitely changed or anything that you're seeing that uh, you're maybe struggling with or... Yeah. You know, I, I just don't, I don't know. I just can't relate to it as much as I, as I could before. I mean, every once in a while, you know, they'll have one of those baseball classics on ESPN and you see like Ferguson Jenkins throwing his 87 mile an hour fastball up there and his stuff or Rick Russell, you know, obviously I grew up a Cubs fan, but like (laughs) the, I mean, and now it's like everybody throws 97 or, you know, if you throw 92, you don't throw hard these no. days, you know? And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, so I have, I have trouble relating to, to what, you know, what's going on today, but like, I don't know. I, I just think a lot of what gets me are these rule changes about starting like seven inning double headers and, yeah. you know, starting, a, uh, starting a, you know, with a runner on second and extra innings, like, you know, like little league or pony league, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's, to me, that's just ridiculous. Uh, I don't like some of the changes that are going on in baseball, but you know, I still love the game and I still watch it. And, uh, I mean, I'm living in Atlanta now and the Braves are just, they're not playing that great this year, but they're just a real exciting team to watch. So I appreciate the fact that they're, you know, 
that, that I live in a town where I can watch them every night because they're, they're fun to watch. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, just, I guess I'm just an old timer that doesn't relate to the game as much as, you know, I used to, I guess. Yeah, I feel like I'm kind of in the middle. Um, you know, I definitely, I mean, I can see some of the benefit of, you know, the technology too, right? And, but yeah. I, I find like some, sometimes it's maybe overkill, but um, I definitely struggle with, I feel like a lot of the changes are geared towards pitchers, you know, like the pitch clock and all these, you know, other changes or three batters. Um, but I feel like it's never necessarily, you know, not much changes for the hitter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, they're all about hurrying the game up, you know, and, uh, you know, but, but then, you know, they're, they're all about hurrying the game up, but they, the, the replay takes forever <laughs> and they usually get it wrong anyway. You know, I'd rather them put not, I'd rather have extra innings normally and, 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 you know, not seven inning double headers, you know, full nine inning double headers and just let it play. I mean, if you don't want to watch the game, if you're not enjoying it, turn the channel, but you can't really, uh, manipulate the game to a point where people are more interested in it. I just don't think you can do that. And I, I think the whole instant replay thing, you know, I mean, part of the game, I mean, part, we grew up being mad at the umpires because they got a call wrong. So what, yep. you know, I mean, I mean, we lived with it for a hundred years, <laughs> you know, I mean, they're human beings. Yep. And another thing is I'm tired of that K zone on constantly. Yeah. You know, I mean, come on. You know, I mean, he's an umpire, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I just hate to see that they're taking the human element away from the game. And, uh, I don't know. There's, there's a lot obviously that I don't like about it, but I'm, I still love baseball and I still watch it, but those are, there's too many changes going on to me for me. I, you know, I'm a dinosaur, so <laughs> No, I hear you there. I mean, it'd be interesting to see the K zone, even like when like Greg Maddox was pitching. I mean, I know it was maybe. I know, right? Yeah. No oh way. my God. I mean, that would not survive. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Did I you mean, see that? Did, did you see that statistic about Tony Gwynn when he faced? Here, I'm asking the question now. But like Tony Gwynn when he faced Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, and John Smoltz. Like yeah, I was hit, something ridiculous. Like, yeah, he hit like I don't know, like four hundred off of them and struck out four times and three hundred. I mean, it was incredible. Did, uh, you, ever, incredible. did you face uh, Tony Gwynn, Jeff? Yeah, I did, and huh. it was like, you know, if he got himself out, it was him getting himself, not me getting <laughs> out. I had nothing to do with it. I remember one time he came up to me, and this was in the middle of my career. So, and he goes, you know, I, I wanted to tell you, you never come inside twice in a row on a lefty. And I'm like, God, you're right. And it's like, he was so confident against me, so confident that he could tell me that, you know, and it'd be fine. He's still going to get hits off me. So that was, the, that was the sad part was he's giving me tips on how to pitch lefties and he's a left-handed hitter, but he was such a great hitter and such a good person. I mean, just incredible that baseball. I mean, it's just a shame that he passed so young. No, absolutely. I mean, he was probably maybe baiting you to go inside twice. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I know. I didn't have the balls to do that. I don't care. <laughs> 
just try to keep just try to keep it to a single, Tony. You know, I'll move on to the next guy. And then Jeff, I mean, you you came out and you were an instructor at uh, at our Georgia camp. Um, you know, from yeah. from a baseball standpoint, like, are you doing anything coaching wise now, or you know, even after your playing career, what have you kind of stayed involved baseball wise? You know, I, I was doing lessons up until a couple of years ago, and I I don't do them anymore, and that's and really, I I enjoyed working with kids a lot, and I love being around their families, and I enjoyed that immensely but i moved up to you know i don't if you're not familiar with atlanta it's lake lanier and i'm just too far away now to actually go do lessons anymore and you know i enjoy living on the lake and doing all that so um you know that's how i've really spent my last couple years is enjoying lake life and uh but i do you know one thing i do with baseball is you know the, the these various uh professional organizations like the major league teams, they have their own fantasy camps. Yep. Uh, you know, they're, and I work those every year for the Mets for two weeks. And I, I love that. I love that. It, it, it allows me to get together with old teammates once a year. And then it, I love the guys that participate in these camps. They're so passionate about baseball. They, in this case, they love the New York Mets and they actually have kind of, reignited my passion for baseball in a way just being around them so i just enjoy that so much for two weeks every year they've changed it they used to do it in january and this year they're doing it in november and they go down to the port st Lucie uh, facility the spring training facility of the mets and i just love doing that every year and they're going to do it in november so i'm really looking forward to that this year do you pitch in that no no what they do in those is you know they, they they've they've got like two sessions of like a hundred guys approximately and we draft teams we pick teams and it's just them playing against each other all week until they get to a championship and and there are activities every night that are a lot of fun and there's a lot of laughs and you just make a lot of really close lifetime friendships and you 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 kind of learn how important this this two weeks is to them every year it's amazing and uh i just really enjoy that very much no that's very cool yeah and i guess jeff did you have any uh many teammates that were sidearm submarine pitchers you know i did uh really just one do you remember terry leach yep yep yeah i mean he was he was in new york when i got there and that was really to my advantage he was besides just being a really really good guy uh Terry was uh, a uh, just a really good pitcher, and I enjoyed and learned from him a lot. And you know, it was funny because for the longest time, you know, I mean, Terry and I to have two side armors on the same uh, pitching staff was unusual, right? That and for for a while, every time somebody came off the the injured list or something like that they would uh, send me down because they said, well, we can't have two sidearm pitchers on the same team. And then I'm thinking, well, heck, we both have the best. We're both doing better than any other of the relief pitchers together. You know, what are you talking about? So uh, anyway, but yeah, Terry Leach was, was really the only other teammate that, that was a sidearm pitcher that was ever on my team. So was he, uh, was Terry similar to you? Like kind of through the same, I guess, or. You know, uh, 
a little bit. He he was Terry was more of a he was a kind of a wide body reliever, you know. Okay. And so he was very he was like five ten, and he was like where I was tall and thin. He was very stocky and he was very powerful and kind of would roll over the ball a little bit more instead of getting under it. And, uh, you know, so we threw a little bit differently, but you know, he had a, he, Terry threw about 88, he threw harder. And I remember one game in Montreal, he got a, like kind of an emergency start. And I think he threw a complete game and struck out 10 or 11 guys. So he was, he was very accomplished. He was very good. And it was, I was very fortunate to have him there when I was there for sure. So it was just like kind of somebody to bounce things off of and just a good kind of mentor type guy. And then Jeff, I guess, what would be your favorite part about pitching from down under? Um, I guess just, it just made me a unique person on the staff. You know, I knew kind I knew that I was going to come in and I was expected to get their best right-handed hitters out and in fairly crucial times of the game. And, you know, and I took pride in being able to pitch every day too, because, you know, every team needs, every manager needs a guy down there that, you know, you can count on that he's going to be able to pitch every day. And so that I guess just being specialized and, being somebody that's considered an expert in getting right-handed hitters out. And then, uh, and then also, you know, pitching every day and taking pride in the fact that I could do that. Those were, those were two things that I kind of was very proud of and, and took pride in as a, as a really sidearm relief pitcher. And then Jeff, it's just time for our ninth inning call of the bullpen. So it's just going to be some random questions just to learn a little bit more about you. Favorite NHL team. Oh boy, I'm talking to a guy from Canada, you're talking to a guy from Georgia. I would say the New York Rangers, just because that's the only thing I could think of. Uh, favorite travel destination? Playa del Carmen, Mexico, and Tulum. I'm going there. I'm taking my brother there on May 15th for a week. We're oh. gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, kind of party on the beach and and eat seafood ceviche for a week so i'm really looking forward to that yeah no that sounds fantastic (laughs) i know right all-time favorite professional wrestler uh gosh uh uh you know i used to watch it when i was a kid i'm gonna go with i bet nobody's ever given this answer lord alfred hayes (laughs) nope (laughs) Huh? I'm trying to remember. Sailor Art Thomas. Sailor Art Thomas and Lord Alfred Hayes. (laughs) That's like when I was like eight years old, seven years old. So those were real wrestlers. I know the one name sounds familiar, the the sailor, but yeah, the other I don't I'll have to look him up. Lord. No, I'm I'm probably wrong. I'm I'm like I'm 58 now, so I'm I'm getting that pre-dementia. He's probably he was probably in a rock and roll group, and I'm mistaken. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like a wrestler. That works. Yeah, he was. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and then, Jeff, do you know the capital of Canada? Canada doesn't have a capital. Uh, th- yeah, they do. Okay, I'll say uh, Edmonton, Alberta. 
close. Like it's definitely it's not a big city. Um, if it helps, the NHL team is the Senators. I, that does not help. <laughs> uh, I thought I was being clever by saying Canada doesn't have a capital. I thought they just had like provinces or whatever. Uh, so uh, I will say Montreal. You're getting closer. Okay. You got to have to tell me. It's uh, Ottawa. Ottawa. Okay. <laughs> and then Jeff. Home of the you, Lynx. Home of what's the Lynx. That? Yes, absolutely. And I, I, did you ever, did you play in, in Canada, Jeff? Other than, I guess, yeah. Toronto and Montreal, or did you? Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, when we, we, we'd go to Montreal all the time when yeah. I played for the Mets. So, gotcha. and, you know, when I was bouncing around toward the end, I think we went to, uh, I think we went to Vancouver. Uh, we played an ex when I was with the Mets. We played that an exhibition game when when uh, Toronto opened their new stadium. Uh, but I think that's about it. Never did you play in Cal- Calgary or Edmonton or? You know, I might have played in Calgary. Yeah, gotcha. once. Gotcha. Yeah, it's pretty forgettable. I well, mean, <laughs> obviously, I, I don't even know if I pitched there. Yeah, the ball it's it's high altitude, so very similar to Colorado. It it flies out of Calgary. It's a, a tricky place yeah, to it's pick. Amazing. It's amazing how when we went to Colorado, all of our pitchers in the bullpen had sore elbows for that <laughs> series. Taking the series off. <laughs> my sinker wouldn't sink. My breaking ball would, would be half as good. Anyway. And Jeff, if, if you could golf or have dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would you like to go with? Well, I'll keep it in baseball. Jackie Robinson. Yep. I mean, he just is my idol of all time. What he went through and just for one thing, what a, what a wonderful player he was, but just, just an amazing human being. I just, he's my all time favorite person of all time. So that's the guy I would love to talk to him and, and know what he experienced, you know, and what he went through and how he handled it and just about his life. I mean, he was just a fascinating, intelligent human being that had so much more going for him than, than baseball. You know, he was just an amazing man. Oh, absolutely. And I, I can't even imagine what he had to go through. Yeah, me neither. Just amazing. Just the inspiration, really. But that's it, the guy. Would it... Uh... Would you like to go for golf or dinner? Uh, you know, golf frustrates me, so I think <laughs> I'd rather just sit down for a nice long dinner with him. And yeah, not any be per- distracted. Not any- be distracted by my own failure. <laughs> <laughs> any particular place? Uh, for dinner? Um, no, not really. Not, no fast food, but any any good Italian restaurant anywhere. I would. I would be happy with yeah and then jeff if you could be an olympian in another sport winter or summer what sport would you like to do i was always fascinated when i was a kid with with uh the downhill you know and skiing yeah downhill skiing do you remember i mean you've got to remember i mean being from canada i don't know maybe you're too young because i know you're younger than me um do you remember that if if anybody's listening to this uh that I, I can't remember the Olympics. It was 1976 or 78 or eight, something like that, or 72, maybe even Franz Klammer. Okay. 
Do you remember that gold medal run? He was the last skier and he had to nail it going down the hill and he had that yellow suit on. And it was the most exciting, exciting downhill race ever. And that got me hooked on downhill skiing. And when I was a little kid, I always wanted to be a downhill skier because of Franz Klammer. You can YouTube it. It's exciting. I'm going to YouTube it when I pull over. I mean, it was exciting. If you just YouTube that and you'll get goosebumps just watching it. Just amazing. He was the very last skier of the Olympics. And he knew what he had to do. And the time he had to get, man, he went for broke and he almost lost it like twice. And it was amazing the way he went after it on the mountain. It was amazing. Do you ski at all, Jeff? No. (laughs) No, I'm scared. to. No, Um, no, I don't ski. But, you know, that didn't stop me from fantasizing about it after watching Franz Klammer nail that gold medal run in the downhill. So, yeah. I, um, I skied till I was like 12, but I, I honestly, it was not that graceful, you know, side to side or it would, I I was just a speed skier where I'd go down fast as I can. (laughs) Definitely, definitely saw the writing on the wall that I was going to hurt myself if I kept doing that. So, (laughs) but you know, in Georgia, there's a little ski area, just a state over in North Carolina called Cataloochee or something like that. And a lot of people will go there just to get a skiing experience, but it's like total ice, you know, and it's just, it's like miserable, but that's the, I, I have skied there a couple of times, but you know, I have never honestly gone to Colorado or, you know, Idaho or Utah, wherever the great skiing is, I've never done it. So, uh, I probably should do it before I leave this earth just to experience it. Well, the mountains are right beside Calgary, so if you ever want to come skiing, let me know. Okay, I appreciate that. (laughs) And lastly, Jeff, just going to test your memory a little bit here. On the 1983 Little Falls Mets, do you remember the Dominican infielder that later on played for the Toronto Blue Jays that was your teammate? Manny Lee. (laughs) Yep. That is absolutely right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's pretty good memory huh that is impressed i'm very impressed <laughs> that that is like uh that makes me feel really good that maybe dementia isn't right around the corner for me i i feel like you know, i maybe I, I can make it into my name even like i i just turned 40 but i feel like i have kind of baseball dementia where i feel like my mind is better for baseball stuff but then other stuff don't ask yeah that's <laughs> That's true. That is so true. I mean, I, I'll be talking to college buddies and I'll say, remember when we did this? And I'm like, no, I didn't even know I went to college with you, you know, but, uh, yeah, I know. Well, I'm 58. I'm going to be 59 in a couple months. So I'm real sensitive to this whole dementia thing. I figure if I talk about it enough, I won't get it. (laughs) It's like when you admit you're an alcoholic right away, maybe you're not one, you know, (laughs) I hear you. And lastly, Jeff, is there any shout outs before we sign off? Shout out. Uh, I think. Uh, you know, I just I shout out to everybody in this world that doesn't uh, that's down. You know, it's been a tough 15, 16 months. Every, anybody that's down and they feel alone and they feel uh, depressed and they don't feel like they have a lot of hope. 
you know, just, uh, I would encourage them to, you know, hang in there and maybe pray a little bit, discover the strength of God in their life and, uh, and reach out and talk to somebody that cares about you. I guess that's my shout out to anybody struggling in life to, that there are better days ahead. She said, decom from a land down under Where women glow and men plunder Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder? Yeah You better run, you better take cover Yeah You better run, you better take cover